Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is the Clark family. Don, Chris, and Cody. Combined, all three men have 60 years of career and volunteer fire experience. Don is a captain on Truck 1 in Salisbury. Chris is a backstep firefighter on Ladder 24 for the city of Charlotte. And Cody is a backstep firefighter on Ladder 34 for the city of Kannapolis. All three men teach for the Kajai Group, Twisted Fire Industries, and all share the same love, drive, and passion for the fire service and make sure that they can do the job and do it well. It's not often you meet a father and two-son duo, but it's even rare when all three ride ladders. With that, I present the Clark family. Hey, Danny, this is Don Clark. Um, fireman about 30 years between volunteer and career. Um, started out on Long Island, a little place called Shelter Island. Back in the 80s, uh, worked my way up. I was chief out there for a while and uh, then came down here, came to the south in 2003. Wasn't going to get back in the fire service. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, got hired by Salisbury. I've been there for 10 years as a career fireman. And uh, that's about my story. Okay. All right. Are you, uh, were you the first one in your family to? to uh, enter the fire service or has there been generations before you yeah my dad was a fireman uh volley up, up north um and actually his dad was a volley his dad was a charter member of the department that i joined up there okay um and with you having two sons uh cody and chris did you want them to kind of go down that route of getting in the fire service or was it just something that just happened i don't think i had a choice um <laughs> back in the ball up north you know every every night i'd get home and like dad let's go to the firehouse let's go to the firehouse and they'd be, they'd be dressed in their old costumes and we'd go to the firehouse and hang out okay okay all right um uh chris um your story on how you got in yeah um 2009 i graduated high school uh had plans to go in the military but I uh, wasn't going to do it right away. Um, had always grown up with, you know, being in the firehouse with dad and, and that, that thing. Um, so I went down, uh, joined Lake Norman one night with actually a couple, couple buddies I graduated with that were kind of looking for the same thing. They just wanted to fill time and volunteer and, you know, do something. Um, I think like a week later, dad was like, well, I can't let you do this by yourself. So. He got back into it. Uh, it was cool. We got to go through all of our classes together. Um, did a did a night night rookie school, I guess you'd call it, at a local department. Um, and then Dad again was kind of kind of the driving force between um, with me getting hired at Salisbury. He said he was putting in in 2011. He was like, I think you should too. So I I think it was like the last day the applications were being taken. So I went up there one day after work and handed in my application and was lucky enough to get hired. I uh, worked there for about three years. It was great. It's a great place to be a young, hungry fireman, um, especially back then. Uh, pretty, pretty active, pretty busy, um, you know, for the size of the department that we were. Um, and then finally joined the Navy, uh, four and a half years. Um, and then came back in 2018, got hired by a smaller department outside of Charlotte and uh, worked there for about four years and got hired by a slightly larger department than that and uh, been there for just over a year now. Okay. All right. Uh, Chris? I'm sorry. Cody. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, seeing, seeing dad and Chris – yeah, dad and Chris got on at Lake Norman in 2009. I was still in the junior age. Um, but I got on and spent my time as a junior until I turned 18. Um, was fortunate enough I could start my classes. I think I started my classes when I was 16. So by the time I was 18, all I had to do was fire control. So I knocked that out. was ready to go when I was 18. Um, I joined the military, went through basic training and came back. I was in the reserves. As soon as I got back um, from basic and AIT, I, uh, I started putting in. 
I think I put in maybe three or four places. And at the time I was ordering for Plyme event. So I made, made some weird connections kind of with fire departments all over and Winston had been put on the mat. Um, so I applied for Winston and got it the first round. That was in 2017. Um, I spent three years there, got to see a bunch of fire, and then uh, Canapolis popped up. So I took that took that job in 2019, at the end of 19. Okay, so I did not know that. Four years. Yep. Okay, so when you were on Winston, were you traveling back and forth? Uh, the first year I got an apartment up there. Um, and then I ended up, yeah, I moved back in with mom and dad after, after a year and just, just traveled back and forth. I was on a South side company, so it was only about an hour to work. It wasn't okay. terrible. Okay. All right. Um, Don, uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, how old were you when you got hired at Salisbury? I was 46. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, like, you know, all jokes aside on age, like, was, was that a challenge? Um, for you, because I mean, like anyone that knows you knows you are, um, in pretty good shape. So coming into the fire service with a senior type mindset, but being up there in age, was, was that hard for you? Um, a little bit. And, and I wasn't as good shape back then than I am now, <laughs> you know, coming from the, the, the volley combination side, you, you I guess you you don't take it as serious, you know, and, and you have to. And when I got on, um, I was fortunate to get with a captain who was really into physical fitness and got in shape. But anyway, um, going through as, as a, as an older guy with the, with the younger, um, no, it wasn't that hard. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty paramilitary anyway, so I, I just rolled with it, you know? Okay. Okay. Um, I will say dad's being a little humble. I, I worked with his captain at okay. there and he would tell me when I would like come home and dad was, you know, dad was working and he'd be like, Hey man, your dad's great. Love having him here, but I need him to stop thinking like a rookie and start <laughs> thinking like the senior guy that he is. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, and, and, and I can see like Don from you, from your, from your standpoint, I can see, why you'd want to do that because you know, like I'm sure you want to just keep your head low, do your job and not not make any waves, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I just wanted to come in, do, you know, do like everybody else, do whatever the other rookie does, you know. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> um and um you're now a captain on truck one. So um how how fast did you obtain that? Uh five years, six years. Okay. Five years I was engineer and Lieutenant and then captain. Okay. And out of all the ranks that you've held there, what's been your favorite so far? Um, probably engineer. I worked on uh, ladder four for a while with a really good captain who retired now. Um, that was some fun times driving that truck. Okay. And um, between engine and truck work? Truck. <laughs> and, and why is that I'd, I'd love to hear the answer i'm just a, I'm a mechanical guy you know like like everybody says we like breaking stuff you know okay okay and um i actually like looking at the notes it just now occurred to me that all three of you are on a ladder truck yep mm -hmm. in different departments yep <laughs> okay it starts to make sense now <laughs> Chris is, uh, Chris is the closet engine guy, though. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, <laughs> that's how I I found you. Um, I found you, Chris, through your 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 IG profile. Your your handle is the eight up engine. So, um, well, it used to be. <laughs> well, okay. So before you changed it, but like, I mean, I mean, engine work is. I mean, it's definitely a passion of yours, correct? Yeah, I think I I tell people it was out of necessity more so than anything. Like, cause I just never had a chance to ride a truck full time, uh, which was always, always the hope, always the goal. Um, but you know, we were in Quince when I was at, you know, Salisbury the first time. Um, so we, we really didn't have a truck culture at that point. Uh, cause everybody had to try to do everything. Um, and then when I was at Matthews, like I just, I wrote a, I wrote an engine full time. So I wanted to be really good at it. 
um, or try to be as good as I could be at it and really nerd out and, and, uh, and dive deep. But, um, but yeah, anytime I had a chance to ride a, a ladder, you know, there or the rescue, um, anytime I've got the chance to ride a, a ladder somewhere during the part-time doing the part-time work, uh, I try to take it because, um, you know, as, as vital and probably the most vital thing is that Nozzleman, um, I, I really like the dynamic decision-making that comes with truck work. Okay. All right. And with you, um, going from like, you know, transitioning to departments, was it a hard decision? Because, you know, like nowadays we have individuals out there that are, that are contemplating that aren't being fulfilled by that aren't being satisfied with certain departments that they're on. So was it a tough decision or was it easy for you to make it? If, if you found the opening, you were going to take it. Um, I don't know. It probably, it wasn't as cut and cut and dry as that. Um, there were a lot of, a lot of factors that went into, to my change or my, my, my change of department. Um, I was definitely fulfilled in some ways at Matthews and other, other, other areas I wasn't, um, but I don't know, just a bunch of different factors. It's, it's definitely different, um, going to a, to a bigger department. Um, some things, some things change and some things stay the same. Right. So, right. uh, but overall, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with the, with the move. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it comes down, we you know, talk to guys a lot about that, about changing departments, uh, especially if you've been in it for a while. Mm -hmm. um you know it's never it's never easy to make the jump it's definitely uncomfortable um but you got to just kind of look at the factors that apply to you and and see if it's the right move for you and your family and and that's the biggest thing like i like i tell people all the time like um you know part-time work or, or whatever like i only answer to two people when it comes to where i spend my professional time at and that's my wife and my daughter um so it had to make sense for all of us that's definitely uh that's definitely a good a good way to look at it. I mean, family comes first, right? Okay. All right. And Cody, um, were you always on ladder when you got uh, to Canapolis or were you on an engine first? No, I've been on a ladder since I've been at Canapolis, I've been on a ladder truck. So we uh so I spent a year on an engine at Winston and then moved to ladder five after my first year. Um it was interesting. Um we didn't operate like full, full truck companies up there. It kind of just depended on arrival order and stuff like that. Who was, you know, who, who the cap captain was. Um, and then when I got to Canapolis, which that's kind of what I was chasing was the operations more than like pay or benefits or anything like that, which I lucked out all the stuff that we've got at Canapolis is crazy. As far as benefits, it's really good. Um, but as far as operations and stuff, they let you be a fireman. Um, especially being on a, on a truck company. So we were out at station five, we were ladder 54 and then, um, I guess six months in to me being there, we moved out to station three and like quadrupled our, our, uh, call volume. So, okay. Yes. Okay. All right. And I mean, um, yeah, who doesn't want to be not micromanaged and being allowed to be a fireman. So I, I, I totally, I totally get hundred percent where you're coming from on that one. Um, I'm going to ask all of you, so, you know, you can all take, take your turn, you know, whenever the other one's done, but what does the term aggressive mean to all of you? Hmm. Um, I think you hit it a little nail on the head there, uh, not being micromanaged, you know, being able to make decisions for yourself, um, which again, at Salisbury, we can we're able to do that, you know, our truck companies split and inside, outside, and uh, the OV teams, they have a lot to think about, you know, and they're making, they're making their own decisions and they're not officers, but you know, we think of them as officers because they, they have, they have a lot of responsibility outside, but aggressive, um, you know, being able to, to do that VES without really too much, um, permission, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, they see an opportunity that they're allowed to do it, you know, um, 
we do a lot of uh, um, wait for the radio calls, you know, water on the fire, and they can they can punch that roof if they're on the roof or open up the roof. They don't have to wait for someone to tell them to, okay, you can cut the hole now, you know. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, same way. There's a lot of lot of responsibility in the OV's hands, and that can be, you know, that can be a a backstep fireman for the day, just driving. You know, the engineer might be out, um, and if you're lucky to ride four, you know, that's there's two of them. But most of the time, we're riding three, and it's up to the driver to make those decisions. So, I know there's been plenty of incidents where like you're operating alone for the first five minutes as OV. So there's a lot to think about and a lot to you know prioritize mm -hmm. like whether you ves or you vent or you know whatever you're going to decide to do first so but making making sound decisions and making them you know making them quick don't hesitate on your decisions okay i think um obviously like for whatever reason aggressive is like this dirty word that is right uh, you know it's got this negative connotation in the fire service but um I think it has a lot to do with how you study, how you practice your proficiency. Um, you know, a one year guy is not going to make the same decisions as a 10 year guy. Uh, and a 10 year guy is going to make the same decisions as a 20 or 30 year guy. Um, so it, it comes down. I think that your education, your experience, um, your proficiency at the base level um, can kind of determine how aggressive you can be. Um, but there are times when like, you know, you've got to, you may have to push people along in something that you see, um, to, to spur them on, to be aggressive and know that you need to make a hole somewhere. You need to, you know, whether you're on the first line or something like you need to make a, make your own entrance to the building. Um, you know, seeing, seeing that stuff and like knowing that you've got a fighting chance at whatever you're doing, um, and and making that push um but it's all got to be it's all got to be smart it's got to be you know it can't be reckless abandon 100 agree okay all right i like the answers I like the answers um forgive me i did forget to ask um don what is um for those that don't know uh, can you tell us a little bit about salisbury um stations uh amount of personnel your minimum staffing things of like of that nature yeah, uh, five stations, got two truck companies, uh, four engines and a rescue. <clears throat> Staffing usually we're running at minimum, unfortunately, um, which is uh, between 80 and 90, somewhere 80, 88 overall. Something overall. Okay. Um, three per truck, though. Yeah, uh, riding three per truck, um, all, you know, engines and ladders. Rescue usually gets that that extra guy, um, and then it trickles down from there. It goes to the ladders. Um, running anywhere from, you know, I mean, you know, we could run 10 calls a day. We could run 30 calls a day. Okay. I think this year we broke 10,000 uh, citywide. Uh, okay. truck, truck one broke 2,000 calls this year, so... Pretty busy little city, um, 36 square miles. Um, busy little city. Okay. And um, what does Salisbury drop on a, on a first two box? Um, all of our uh, stations and trucks, and we get two county units. Um, okay. So we have a pretty good mutual aid policy with the surrounding uh, departments. Okay, so on on a residential structure fire, you're getting all six. Well, you said five or six. Um, so we get four engines from ourselves, four engines, the rescue, and two ladders. Okay, so you're getting everybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, does Salisbury do PDAs, predetermined assignments, or like how how does how does Salisbury determine um on the arrival of each apparatus what the assignments are? Yeah, we do PDAs. Okay. Everybody's got a job. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry, go it's ahead. Kind of cool if you ever hear us roll up, it's kind of cool because all you hear is, you know, first truck, first engine, and the BC doesn't have to think about it. He knows, he knows what you're doing. 
Cody? Yep. So very, very similar to what Salisbury's running. Um, I mean, we're similar to size, similar to call volume. Um, we're just over 10,000 a year. Um, most of the time operating three guys on every rig, but they're pretty good about um, letting that fourth hire back, like on the ladders, um, which we've just hired. We've hired a couple more people here in the last couple of weeks. So we've got a couple in recruit school, a couple that just hit the truck. Uh, last shift so hopefully that looks a little different um as far as getting that fourth man on the on the ladder every shift um i will say our our fire chief is pretty good about like he's very fa family oriented um so sometimes we may have a company out of service for the shift like we may have an engine company out of service um which does suck you know it, it is what it is um kind of got a pick your battles as far as, you know, he's not canceling vacation for guys to be off for Christmas and to be with their kids. But at the same time, you know, we, we don't have a truck in service, but it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we're typically three on every rig. Okay. And uh, uh, what is Canapolis job on the first two box? Uh, five engines, two ladders. Okay. The safety. Okay, so, so you guys do the same. Okay, so we get it just depends on like what side of the city it's on and on where that where that last engine company comes from. We may get like from our mutual uh, city from Concord. We may get an engine or something from them. Okay, all right, and Chris, uh, our standard for uh, well, so we ride four. We're pretty fortunate. Um, four across the city. Um, five on the rescues um first do house fire uh get four engines and a ladder um and uh and a chief and then once it goes working um it uh gets a rescue uh might get another engine or truck just depending on you know where it is or who's asking to add and then a and then a working fire chief um and safety officer we have an on-duty safety officer full-time okay all right. Um, now this this next question is for all three of you, and I know it's it's a it should be a a, a big topic for all of you. Training. Um, I think each of you has their own skill set when it comes to training. Um, I'm sure your your father likes to train on this particular topic. Uh, Chris, you like to do one, you know, a different topic, and Cody, you like to do another. So, how important is it? Because by following your profiles and personally knowing you, I can tell that you guys don't take training for granted. You all three of you have it figured out that training is the bread and butter. It's the only way to get better at this job. So how big is, is that, is that mindset for you? And is that something that your dad taught you guys? I think that, um, I think that training, and we go back to what we were talking about earlier about like decision-making and having the experience and stuff, like um, regardless of what we may all think, like we're not working in the Bronx in the war years. Right. So we're not going to a fire every shift, um, which is unfortunate. You know, we, we all would like to, um, but in the absence of, of that experience, I think that it's, it's, um, it's even more important for guys to be hungry for training and, and want to make sure that their, their skill set, um, especially at the basic level is, is, is dialed in. Um, I don't know where we got, I mean, I think that it's just kind of always been a thing. Like we've always just been into the job and into the, into wanting to learn it. Um, I was telling my wife the other night, like, you know, talking about as kind of, off topic, but like, if you've looked at customer service here in the last couple of years, like if you've noticed anything like me, it's kind of taken a, a vertical nosedive. Um, but like, I, I can't understand regardless of what profession you're in, why you wouldn't want to be the best that you could be. Um, whether you're a fireman or flipping burgers at McDonald's, like I'd want to be the best burger flipper that there is. Um, so I think it was just a mindset of just, wanting to be the best version that you could for what you were doing. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, the, the experience is great. That's, that's where the real, you know, the real lessons come from. 
Um, but in the absence of being able to, to gain that experience, you know, kind of depending on where you are, I think training is, is, is that much more important. Okay. And what's your, what's your go-to, like, what's your niche in regards to training in the fire service? What do you like to teach? I think everybody would give me a hard time and say engine stuff just because we've done it, <laughs> we've done it for, you know, for the last five years or so. Um, and, and while it's great, I think that, I, I think that, um, you know, the way that I look at engine and truck stuff, again, looking at that kind of dynamic, dynamic decision-making that comes with truck work, um, I view engine stuff like very, like kind of scientific, um, and probably that just comes from studying like flows and hose construction and nozzles and stuff like that. Um, but it's the, like the age old adage of like wet stuff on the red stuff. Right. I know that there's more to it. There's obviously more to it. And that's where I like to get down into the weeds, but engine work is like, Hey man, we need to stretch this hose to the seat of the fire and put it out because once we do that, some things start to get better. Maybe not everything. Right. Mm -hmm. um, some things start to get better. Um, whereas that the truck side, it's more, it's more artful. Um, it's, it's, you know, determining, you know, if you've got viable space to search or if you need to cut a hole in the roof or, you know, those different decisions that you have to make. I, I really like just doing basic stuff. Um, I really like forceful entry. Um, I think that, I think that is just as like detail oriented as stretching hoses and, and, and looking at hose and nozzle packages um if you uh if you give it the time that it deserves so i'd probably say forcible entry and um and doing some search stuff I, I really like you know looking deeper into numbers as far as as search stuff and um you know things like the firefighter rescue survey and and getting into those numbers um and looking at some things that may challenge some of our are thinking, you know, uh, traditionally on the truck side of things. So, okay, Cody, for you, I think a, lot of, a lot of what we do, um, I think, comes from muscle memory. So, a lot of a lot of the techniques and stuff that we use, you know, everything from you know putting your putting your gear on the same way, masking up the same way, you know, forcing doors, having those same techniques. Having all that muscle memory built is kind of what we go back to, like when when the experience does come on the fire and stuff like that. So you're not sitting there looking like an idiot because we haven't practiced it. <laughs> uh, so I think you look at some of the, some of the guys, some of the guys that go to fires, you know, quite a bit, or some of the guys that train a lot. Like they don't have a problem. Like when it's time to put your mask on, it doesn't look like the first time they tried to put their mask on. Um, so like Chris said, I mean, going back to the basics and just you know, hammering those until they're, until they're muscle memory, until they're, until you can do them when you're, when you're half asleep at 3am and you're not, and you're not having to think about stuff. Um, I like, I like forceful entry. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, forceful entry is fun. Search is fun. Um, I think firefighter survival, um, yeah, just depending on, the style of class i think it's it's fun to even okay. to attend classes like that like a self-survival class okay all right don yeah my training passion came from back in the volleys on long island we just um we weren't we weren't a busy department so like chris said you know we had to go somewhere to to see the fire you know and uh, we actually had to travel like 30 miles to go to the academy but we'd get six or eight times up there a year and uh the best part of that was, man, the FDNY guys were the, were the instructors that come down and, and you never know who you got, you know. Um, I tell a story all the time. Kevin Shea was there instructing one night, you know. He was, he was on the line with us. But uh, as my wife can attest, I went to every training I could get my hands on most of the time, you know. And I still do. We, we, we were away a couple weeks ago. We were students in a, in a forcible entry class down in South Carolina. So just, and like Chris says, the basics, I'm a basic guy. You know, if, if, if you can't stretch a line, I'm not going to send you to a uh, cell phone tower class, you know, climbing class, you know, go show me, stretch the line first, and then we'll, we'll talk about the rest of it. So, and uh, forcible entry, uh, that primary search, 
pretty important. Important to me. Okay. All right. Now, out of all three of you, I'm pretty sure there's got to be some sort of competition. <laughs> and I'm going to say, especially with you two, Chris and Cody. So, like, has there ever been, like, I can do this faster than you or I can do this better than you? You know, that that, that kind. Because, you, you know, you guys have sibling rivalry. You guys are brothers. So I'm sure there's some sort of uh, bet that's gone on. I don't know. There, there really, it really hasn't been. When it comes to training, there really hasn't been. It's always been, I don't know. We have a people look at our family and like look at us like weirdos. <laughs> we have a very dynamic, like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how you'd explain it. Relationship. Yeah, yeah. it's just very dynamic. The way we we're all firemen, like, you know, the rest of the family hates it, but like every time we're together, we're talking about fire. You know, um, it doesn't matter. You know, mom could sit us down for Thanksgiving or something. She's like, all right, no, no fire talk. You know, in the first five minutes where it's busted out, like we're already talking about something. We're talking about a fire we just went to or something like that. No, but there's never been any like competition. It's always, if anything, we, we like gained this little trust to work together and we don't even talk anymore. Like when we do certain stuff. So it's almost like we have to catch ourselves sometimes if we're teaching or something like that. We'll, we'll be doing something, not talking through it, and we're just flying through it because we both know exactly what we're doing. So, okay, all right, fair enough. Just thought I'd ask because you know, like I said, I have a sister, and I know me and her we we bicker back and forth, and we do have a little competition. So I just with two brothers in the same in the same field, I figured there's definitely there's bickering every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bickering's there. That's like. When we're out in the shop working, cutting certain stuff, I'm like, no, you got to do it this way. Chris is like, well, I'm going to do it this way. Okay. All do right. it way. Cut the saw horse. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, with think last, I think the closest thing that we've had, like, again, haven't been on an engine, you know, and never been assigned full time to a truck, like looking at these two, you know, while I was, you know, while that's why I, that's what I wanted to do while I was assigned to the engine. I was like, Man, I'm just I'm I'm gonna go practice something today that's truck minded because they they both went to a good fire you know last shift or something and it you know it sounded cool like I'm gonna go practice that you know and then I'll I'll get back to the engine stuff a little bit. So. Okay, all right. Um, now with with both of you seeing that your dad being a captain on a truck and um, Chris, I I know you just started at your department, so like this is not a question to to get others to talk, but where do you see both of you, uh, Chris and Cody, where do you see yourselves in the future? Like, do, do can you see yourself riding that front right seat at some point? Or will you just want to remain backstep fireman? No, definitely at some point. Um, trying to spend some time in the back. I'm with a very, very good crew. My captain's um, younger. So we've had a good time. Um, and if I could get a driver's spot on our particular rig, I would do it. Um, but it's, you know, it all, that's all how promotions land and stuff like that. So right. I'd rather not be caught driving an engine, but that might happen. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, I think that the company officer level is probably one of the more important roles in the firehouse and I say it, not just, not just on the fire ground, but in the firehouse, cause they can kind of make or break, um, that 24 hours that you gotta, you gotta spend there. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I would, I definitely see myself at a company officer level one day. Um, I don't ever see myself driving an engine, uh, as much as I, I like the engine side of things like that just, just doesn't look appeasing whatsoever to drive the engine, uh, driving a truck, um, you know, driving a ladder company definitely does again, just because of that, decision making that you've got and um it's just uh i think it's a cool role um you're not you're not really married to the to the rig like an engine driver is um but uh but yeah company officer level um you know and in the same in the same breath as as you know company officer being able to make or break kind of firehouse life i think that uh eventually at a at a chief level um you can kind of make or break whatever you've got underneath you whether that's a battalion chief or or higher um so you know as as young firefighters i think we always think like i'm sure you have the same thoughts like man when i'm 
a chief or a captain or whatever, like I'm going to use this bad example that I just had and not do that, or I'm going to take this good example that I just had and I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to reinforce it. So that's the thing that kind of makes me excited about moving up one day. All right. And, and Don, um, was, was that always a role that you wanted to, to eventually, um, to hit? Um, no, actually I want to stay in the back. Okay. You know, small departments, right. They need the people and uh real good deputy chief talked me into moving up. Okay. <laughs> but I like it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. That's for sure. Wouldn't right. trade it. I got a really good crew and uh good truck. Okay. All right. Um my next question for all of you is um how did uh how did all three of you decide to join the cadre Twisted Fire Industries? Like how, at what point were all three of you like, hey, I mean, obviously you guys all love training. You all love, you know, the, the search from search to forcible entry and various other topics too. We're going to like uh, approach Joe and go, hey, we'd love to be on your cadre. Like how did that come about? Sorry, with your day of the search, right? Yeah. Or day of the stretch. Yeah. So, uh, kind of way back now. Um, so I was, I was deployed and I was overseas. Um, called up Cody one day. I think we were FaceTiming and he's out on the training ground and he's like, Hey, we're doing, you know, we're doing the stretch. I'm like, What's that? This is just out back at the firehouse. Yeah. It was just me. Okay. <laughs> but he was talking about getting, you know, getting a group of guys. They had done it once or twice before. Yeah. And just going to one of the training grounds and just kind of feeding off each other and seeing, you know, what everybody had to offer and, and just doing a, you know, a brother's helping brother's day. Um, so that always like always had that in the back of my mind. Um, I come back. Um, I think shortly, I mean, shortly thereafter, we started uh, planning a, a free you know, the goal was to make it free and, and to have a, again, a, a brother's helping brother's day. Uh, we were lucky enough. We, um, we got a acquired building through Salisbury. Salisbury was, was, uh, super supportive of it. Chief Martin brought a cadre up to teach, uh, roof stuff and, and truck work. Um, Jim Squinteri squid from, from Charlotte, um, he brought a whole cadre in and did hose and nozzle work. Uh, the Carolina Brotherhood, who we were, um, we'd, and again, it kind of, it, it kind of like exponentially in a very short amount of time went from it just, snowballed. Yeah, <laughs> just a, just a couple guys getting together and wanting to do this like free training day to uh, eventually having like Jeff Shoop come in. Uh, Carolina Brotherhood brought brought him in to um, uh, to help out and do a class. So we ended up with. 75 or 80 people there completely free uh, run through the college. So there was, you know, um, in North Carolina, you know, listeners aren't from North Carolina. If it's, it's run through a college and they get an FTEs for it and whatnot, it, it can, it can be free. Uh, they don't charge for it. Um, and we did a big raffle and I think we ended up um, donating like, like yeah, 1500 bucks or something like that. Bucks, yeah. For the Carolina brotherhood, which was great. Um, where Joe came into it, uh, we went to a tactics on tap. They just started a tactics on tap chapter. First one was in Harrisburg. Um, or one of the first ones was in Harrisburg. So we went there, we watched the talk, kind of mentioned to Joe, like, Hey, we, you know, we'd love to do a uh, kind of an after the event, you know, kind of thing at one of the breweries. Uh, would you set up a tactics on tap and, you know, do that? And uh, he asked him more questions and was like, hey, I want to be involved with the training. Um, so he came down, full support, um, you know, stuff for the raffle, doing a, you know, point of sale stuff and um, and logistical support and things like that. And that's that's kind of the intro to it. Um, and that, that, again, led to another one-day uh, training that we put on called the Day of the Search, which was down in Monroe um, at SPCC's uh firm building um again another 75 80 people probably yeah. over one or two days um and 
again, with the goal always to like do a conference. So and the conference is long for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, no, that's, uh, it is interesting how that, how that all snowballed. So did, which I should, I should probably ask Joe, which I'm working on, but, um, so how did, I, I, I guess what, when I'm, what I'm trying to ask, like, did Joe kind of break apart or with him going into, um, you know, going into training with you guys, did he, did that spark him to decide to kind of shift and do his own thing? And then you, you guys followed suit with him? No, TFI was already established. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't, I can't remember for how long. Um, it was him and a couple guys, um, Thomas Yao being one of them. Um, they had, uh, they'd been doing some classes already, um, or helping out with different groups. Um, and I think it was just kind of an organic thing where we, we did this one training, we did another, and it was just, you know, just kind of all meshed. So. Okay. All right. Um, one question I have for you guys, um, and, and, and all of you can answer when, if, if, if you have a firefighter out there that is that that is wanting to get better and decides to attend a forcible entry class and you notice a, a mistake that they that they do um what I, what I'm trying to get at is I want others to know that when you attend these sessions it's okay if you don't understand everything because it's not like you guys are out to make that individual look bad I mean because I could tell you from experience, Cody helped or not uh yes, Cody helped me with um the when we were doing mask up drills, you're the way I remember I asked you, you had your hood up with your helmet on. Yep. And you're like, I just kind of keep it there until I'm ready to put my mask on. And then like I started using that tactic to uh, you know, until I got familiar with masking up with gloves on because that's something I, I never used to do. And with me just continually doing it to get better. Like I, I now notice, like when I take my hood down, it's easier for me to find it with my, with my gloves on. So like you kind of put that little nugget in my head. So what I'm trying to get at is it is okay. If you have a student that comes in that they don't need to know it all is, is pretty much what, what, what I'm trying to get at. Right. Like you will give them the basics. You will give them the skills and, and tools needed to know how to force that door or how to mask up, with with the gloves on correct yep yeah i mean we see guys from what you know six months to a year on to you know 30 to 30 years, years on that come yeah. to come to training and it doesn't it doesn't matter and sometimes i mean sometimes you see you know even some of the 20 to 30 year guys are having the same issues that you know that that six month guy is um some guys you know a little bit later later start try and figure out what their deficiencies are versus just, you know, you don't want to be that guy having your first, first year just repeated for 20 or 30 years, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Definitely not, you know, if someone comes up and is struggling or whatever, you know, we, we pull them aside after or whatever, help them out. You know, um, I, like I, I tell everybody, I, I learn something every time you teach a class. I learned something from somebody, you know, uh, or try to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not like I think what's really important when you when you start to instruct or teach is to lay down the expectation that this is not the way; it's a way. Um, so guys are going to see, you know, especially if they're they're active and going and doing other outside training they're going to see different ways to do it. And that's a hundred percent fine. That's, that's how we, it's how we kind of pick what we want to use and make it work best for us or if it works best for us. Um, so yeah, just being, um, I think being empathetic to somebody who's trying to figure something out maybe for the first time um, and not getting frustrated because you want to move on with something that you want to teach Um is is huge like you've got to have kind of that personable like hey man like let's we'll work on this some more or pull them off to the side or or spend a little bit more time with you know when we do those mask up drills we we break everybody up we kind of break everybody out and you know again kind of organically like everybody kind of shifts into their groups if they're there with a couple guys from their department or their area 
So, you know, you, you can kind of see as you're walking around who's, who's got it, you know, because they do it already, who's getting it because they're really focused on it. They've already seen the technique and, you know, they're, they're learning it or somebody who's seeing it for the first time and still trying to figure it out. So um, you can kind of move around the group and spend a little bit more time with those people that are, that are figuring it out um, or may just need, you know, one little, one little piece that they didn't catch in the, in the demo or one little thing that they're not thinking about or um, another technique altogether. What Cody and I mask up different than how dad does. Um, so for him to show, Hey, if you're struggling with this way, try it this way. Okay. All right. All right. Love the answer. Okay. Awesome. Because, you know, that's the, the holdback I fear, or I feel that individuals who've never been to a, a conference don't want to look bad. Like firemen, we all know firemen don't want to look bad in front of each other because it's like, Oh, well, this guy's been on for how long he doesn't know how to do this. And so what I was, what I want people to understand is the conferences, all these little micro conferences that are popping up are all there to make you better. No one's out to judge you, to, to make, to ridicule you, to make you look bad in front of others. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and some of it's going to be trial and error. I mean, you know, that there's a, a million different instructor personalities out there you know, just, just as far as how people teach certain things. Um, and some people gel well with some and some people don't gel well with, with, with others. So it's not, um, it's not in the same way that like, you can't go there and expect like, you know, that line of thinking to be, you know, you're going to have like a great first time or whatnot. Like you also can't write it off if you don't have a great time the first, you know, the first time you go. Right. Um, you got to kind of feel it out and try different things. If you find an instructor group or, an, or a particular instructor, like, um, you know, keep, keep picking their brain, keep, keep going to their classes. Um, but if you don't, you know, that first time, like seek out, seek out other, other influences, other, uh, other instructors and other groups. Yeah. All right. Um, how important is, is being physically fit, um, to do this job? for all of you in your opinions and whoever can start extremely um i think it brings you more confidence just um you know like i said when i when i first got on salisbury i wasn't wasn't as fit as i am now <clears throat> and uh you know you struggle a little bit and uh not as confident my you know you're, you breathe down your breathe down your bottle quicker than everybody else and then you, you once you once you get in that mindset of, you got to be physical fit for this job because like they say this job will kill you what uh, mm -hmm. you know um and once i started you know like i said i was fortunate enough to have that captain uh who was really into physical fitness and just took me under his wing as an old guy and uh man it, it turned around 180 degrees you know okay yeah doing doing the right physical fitness too um, yeah i think we see a lot of guys will spend a lot of time in the gym lifting weights and stuff like that and that's all good and great but we all know this is a cardio based uh fitness that we're trying to achieve um so doing you know job related task in your workouts um like moving weight around in in certain aspects to you know to mimic those those job related tasks um working out in gear um and then i don't know just every i mean everything everything related to the job as far as working out is very important um you don't want to be that that guy that's left in the dust because the rest of your crew is you know they're actually working out on their day. And I don't know that that's, that's what scares me is like getting left, you know, yeah. getting left in the dust by the rest of the crew. Whereas if I'm staying in shape and, and not letting myself fall behind them, you know, I can keep up with everybody else. Okay. Good point. I'll look like a slug. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's all that. And I think it's just like 
taking care of yourself in general. Yeah. Right. Like we, I mean, there's a ton of, you know, there's been a ton said about fitness as a firefighter, um, you know, and it's like, it's all true. Um, I don't, I don't think that anybody can argue how physically demanding the job is. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, you, you can look at guys who aren't working out, who aren't, aren't doing something, um, you know, aren't, aren't working out the way that they should be like, and you wonder like how good of a retirement do you want? You know, do you, you want to like make it through here with two busted knees and a busted shoulder and whatnot only to like sit on the couch for the rest of your retirement? Or do you want to like live a, a, you know, a normal, fulfilled, healthy life afterwards? So I think that, I think that people like, obviously the short game, you know, the next fire, the next emergency, like whatever is going to be physically demanding is a, is a given. I don't think anybody can argue with that. I think that the long game is, is where we should be looking also um, to make sure that we have those, those healthy retirements. Okay. All right. And um, when it comes to recruitment and retention, and the only reason why I ask is because all three of you have been on different departments, whether it's small, medium, and, and large. So when it comes to the overall fire service in general, um, like what, what are one of your key factors that you look at within a department that would satisfy all three of your needs? Being able to operate the way, you know, the way it was intended. Um, like moving, moving from a bigger department, taking a little bit of a pay cut was worth it to me to be able to operate the way we operate. Um, being able to be a fireman. Um, and obviously people. I mean, people, people are always going to play a role having good crews. I think getting everybody in the same mindset, having all the like-minded people, you know, all training on, the, you know, training on the same things and, and getting better and, and being really good at the basics, being really good at, you know, the firefighting aspect of what we do. Cause I think everybody, you know, everybody's wants to dive into all the rescue stuff and, you know, all the different specialties, but I think, really it comes down to, to being really, really good at firefighting. Mm -hmm. I think when you've got a bunch of firemen together, it makes it, makes it really easy to stay and obviously love the job. So. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would, that I look for that I hope, and again, it goes back to the, you know, where do you see yourself as far as rank and all that. Um, you ever see that video of, of, um, Chief Richardson from the FDNY talking about going around and visiting fire stations every Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like that is, and again, like some lofty, maybe slightly naive goal one day, if I'm ever a chief is to just go ride the rig with the guys. Like how many, I mean, how many chiefs have we all worked for that they put that white shirt on and they either never get back in their gear or they never take the white shirt off or they're, you know, and obviously there are, there are exceptions to that um, because we all know chiefs that 100% will do that and will get on the truck any day of the week. Um, but I think that it's super motivating, especially when you have people that are in like command staff levels that are willing to get back on the truck and go ride and see what the guys are, are doing because the fire service may have changed in the 10, 15 years since they've rode the truck. Um and I think that, I mean, as far as motivating, like it all, it all comes like that, that leadership has to be top down. Um, so to be motivated in a spot or to look at a department that you might want to go to, anybody can, any department, any city, any municipality, whatever, can put out a benefit sheet. Like, cool. Tell me, tell me why I should come be a fireman for you guys. Like why, like, what are you going to let me do as a fireman? Um, and Cody hit it like operations wise, like some departments have that nailed, like they operate in the way that we all want to, um, you know, aggressively, but smartly they've got, you know, good equipment, they've got good backing for their operations and stuff. And it's not like, uh, 
you know, it's not an operational um, thing where you've got to ask permission for everything that you do. Um, and, and then just kind of leaving, leaving the guys alone every now and then, you know, I say that I'd love to see a chief come and ride. Um, but at the same time, like there are times where the guys just need to be left alone too. Um, and I think that the disconnect sometimes with that is like chief comes in he like, I'm not talking about anyone in particular either, <laughs> but like, you know, a, a, a chief comes in and like, if things get quiet, you know, or, you know, the banter stops or, you know, whatever, he, you know, he, he either does take the hint or he doesn't, but if the chief comes in and like everything starts to go and everybody's engaging with him and everything, like that's the, that's the kind of chief that I want is somebody to walk in and like, you can have a real conversation with, and it's not as, as important as, um, you know, the rank and file stuff is and, and, the chain of command and whatnot, I still want to be able to have a, a human conversation with whoever's leading me. I like it. Thanks on that one, Don. Uh, mine's easy. Just, just let us be firemen. You know, that's, that's what we do. That's what we come to work to do. Um, just let us be firemen. All right. Uh, last question for all three of you. Um, it's what I call like a plug, a shameless plug. I, I'm pretty sure I think I think I've got this right. Uh, do all three of you fabricate doors? Like yep. you, you have like a forcible entry door thing you got going on? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So um, so I've, I've, I've seen videos of like and uh, like, you know, Cody will, will put on there like um, that they're in the shop or he's always doing something in the shop. So I started putting two and two together. So if somebody wanted to um get a door from you guys like this is what i this is what i call like the shameless plug so how would they go about doing it and what kind of doors do you make you know when things of that nature so our doors kind of follow a design from some guys up in ohio um that started making doors that we're really good friends with uh we've changed a couple things as far as just um I guess like long lasting stuff that we saw that can make the doors last just a little bit longer as far as um, the way they're hinged and stuff like that. Um, but it's 1335 LLC, kind of just props in general. So uh, window props, you know, door props, really anything will come out and just see what you got or see what you want um, okay. and, and fabricate it. Um, but it's, it's a full length door. You got 60 inches of force on the force plate, um, three locking uh, points. So kind of two where the knob and the um, deadbolt would be. And you've got like a top lock to practice that. Um, we don't have a wheel system yet as far as rolling it around. So it's kind of a, kind of a bear to move it around. They're pretty heavy. Um, but once, well, I mean, once they're in place, if you got a good spot for it, once they're in place, they don't really move a whole lot. So um we're working on some prototype stuff as far as a single door goes to make that a little bit easier um, and a little bit cheaper. Um, our doors total right now, just like a base door is 6,000. And then with, with different paint and a logo added to it, it's like 6,300. Um, that's delivered with two hours of training within, I think within a hundred miles of the house. Okay. Uh, and then a mileage fee gets tacked on after that. Um, but we come out and show you, you know, what you can do with the door, uh, give you a little, you know, as far as tools and everything else, we bring as much tools as we have out, kind of show you the different tools and how to use them and how to use the door. And, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. But we don't have a, we don't have a website up yet. It's coming. It's coming. Um, the email is 1335 props at Gmail. Um, or just one of us on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. We're about to start our fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth build for West Royan Fire Department. So okay, pretty cool. All right, all right, awesome. All right, you heard it here first. And before we depart, um, is there anything you want? Any three of you? Is there anything you want to say out there? A message to give out to those who feel like they're struggling, feel like no one gets them, that it's okay to love the job because obviously all three of you definitely shown that, you know, 
this job is what it is. It, the job is what you put into it. So is there anything else you want to say before we leave? Never, never stop learning. Um, no matter how old you get or how many years you got in service, never stop learning. Always, you know, pick something. Um, that's the other thing I want to say. Pick something, you know, whether it be forceful entry, ladders, whatever, hose stretching. Pick something and, and be great at that, you know, and really, like Chris always says, nerd out on it um, and just get really good at it, you know, and, but never stop learning and, you know, just take in as much as you can. Listen, listen to people, listen to the guys. Not everybody's always right, but, you know, you can take nuggets from, from all different different people and uh, yeah something i learned as a new fireman like having the older guys that don't want to do much in the firehouse one of the little tricks i learned that if you make it seem like their idea <laughs> they'll come out and show you how to do it right you could try and trick them almost into coming out and training with you so you already may you may know like what what you want to do and what you want to train on you just want to try and get the get the guys to come with you just make it seem like their idea um that's something for the new guys. You know, if you're in that in that firehouse that a lot of guys don't want to do much, they want to come into work and kind of just chill. Um, make it seem like they're teaching you something and they'll be out there with you. Okay. Yeah, learn, like find like-minded people. Um, I think one of the things, the thing that I'm most thankful for, for all the training that we've done and attended and, and um, had the opportunity to um, be involved in, is all the relationships that we've got from people all around the country. Um, you know, I can call a guy and to come to Washington and get his perspective on something. Um, you know, I can call somebody in Ohio or Florida or wherever um, and find, find those people that you can call on to uh, work out either a, a training or, or a skill set issue or just, just a personal issue in general, whether it be in the firehouse or not. Um, you know, those, those relationships, like those people that you can call on are, are invaluable. Um, as far as like in the firehouse is something that I've learned in the last couple of years. Um, learn, learn a little bit about trade stuff in general and not just the firemanship, but, you know, learn how to work with some wood, learn how to work with some metal. Um, those things only help you in your job because, you know, as, as we would all like every call to be a fire, um, you're gonna go to you're gonna go to things that are not fires and and things that people just can't do by themselves or don't have the knowledge or experience to do. So if you learn a little bit about some plumbing stuff, you can go help this poor old lady who's you know water pipe bursts and she doesn't know who else to call, um, you know. And then and then just using the tools as far as like that carpentry, that metalworking stuff, like. You know, you can build your own props. You can, you know, help somebody out doing something. Uh, I think that's super important. Something I've definitely learned over the last couple of years is to to try to try to learn a little bit about each little trade um, to help me with uh, whatever I was doing. I like it. I like it. I I, I just want to say first of all, thank you for getting all three of you um, on here at one time. Um, it's been nice. It's for me. It's super rare to. I, you know, I hear father and son, but like to have a father and two sons that are all in the fire service, ironically, all ride ladder trucks. I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to do that. And um, Don, I, I did I did forget to ask you, is it is it something to behold to see that you have two sons that are doing great things in the fire service and that, you know, you had a hand in 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 making that happen? I want to say yes, but these guys are way smarter than me, and uh, they're going to go way further than me. I hope, um, you know. But it, it's pretty cool doing it together. Um, I mean, really cool. But uh, we worked together last night. Yeah, yeah. Chris <laughs> came and rode the truck last night. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All right, awesome, awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, like talk about proud dad moments, but I haven't. I'm pretty much every day. <laughs> awesome. And for you two to see your dad, to, to try to emulate that, you know, keep, keep to keep that Clark, that Clark name 
in a positive light. I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying like there's pressure, but like, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you both of you don't want to ever let your dad down. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome getting to do it together, but you, there's a, there's a certain, like you said, keeping that Clark name up, like when you open your mouth, people, people tend to listen, like, especially being around people that like dad knows, like if you start opening your mouth, people listen just because of who dad is. So if you sound like an idiot, you're going to, you're going to hear about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it ever said, but me and Chris were technically fifth generation down the line of firemen throughout okay. the family. It's on mom and dad's side. Okay. Kind of all the way down. Okay. All right. No, that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, but like I said, no, I seriously thank you guys for, for taking time out of your day to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, pal. Thank you. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.